Good morning. Can you hear me? Is that mic working? That's okay? Yes? No? No. It must be this... Uh, oh, there we go. Fantastic. Thank you. I always have to dress him. He also translates for me, so... If you have any problem understanding what I'm saying, Gary will come up and do the translation. <laughs> Look, would you open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15? Let me read a couple of verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 3 to 5. Verses 3 to 5 are an early creedal statement of the church. This is what they would have said in Corinth when they gathered. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the Twelve. And then go over to verse 17, please. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men and women. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through the, a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God, the Father, after he's destroyed all dominion, authority and power. The word of God. Let's pray. Father, we ask that what is said today is consistent with your word. Instruct us from your word. Keep our hearts and minds focused on your word. And may that be true of me, I pray. Amen. I was in a hospital in Sydney having medical tests and uh, in this particular hospital I was needed to be in overnight for the tests to be carried out. And uh, I'm lying in a hospital bed and I'm being hooked up to all sorts of instruments. And uh, wherever you look there were wires coming out of my body connecting me to these instruments that were going to record my sleep pattern overnight. And uh, whilst I'm being hooked up, this young lady who told me that she was 26, a recent graduate from the University of Sydney, which was nearby, and a medical technician, she said, as she's hooking me up to all these gadgets, and I'm staying there overnight, and I'm in my pyjamas, she said to me, you really are a very groovy man. Now, I don't know if you know what groovy is here, but uh, when you say that, as I indicated to her, when you say that to someone in Australia, who is my age, you think, hey, what's going on here? I said, why do you call me groovy? I said, look at the age of me. She said, because you're wearing the Simpsons pyjamas. <laughs> and she said, they're my favourite television program. And I said, well, they're my favourite television program as well. That's why my kids have given them to me. And she said, did you see the recent episode where Lisa Simpson is considering whether she should become a Buddhist. 
I said, yeah, I saw that. And she said, look, Christmas is approaching and she's wanting to explore Buddhism and she's wanting to become a Buddhist, but she loves Christmas, she loves Christmas presents, she loves singing in the choir, she loves going caroling, she loves the Christmas Eve get-together of the family. And she's asking herself, can I be a Buddhist and a Christian at the same time? And then she's also wanting to explore a few other spiritualities and wondering if they can go in her bag at the same time. She said, did you see that episode? I said, yeah, I saw it, I loved it. She said, so did I. That's my life. That's who I am. That's my journey. She said, you're wearing my life, man. And then she said, oh, by the way, what do you do for a living? I said, you're not going to want to know this, but I'm actually a principal, a president of a seminary, and I'm a Baptist minister. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) She said, what do you think about what I said? I said, I think it's fantastic. You're on a journey. I just hope you get to the right place. And she said, what's the right place? I said, the right place is Jesus. She said, I know. I know Jesus. She said, I know about Jesus, but... Why do I need to get to Jesus? Because I said, if you get to Jesus and you finally get to his resurrection, you need to go nowhere else. You need to go nowhere else. It's all sufficient, all embracing, everything you need. You see, friends, let me say to you, if you look at that chart there, the early church would have never opened its mouth without talking about the resurrection of Jesus. If you go home and read every sermon in the book of Acts, every speech in the book of Acts, there is only one topic that is always addressed, only one, and it is, he's risen. He's risen. He's risen. The early church would never open its mouth without talking about the resurrection of Jesus. Now, of course, the death of Jesus and his death upon the cross is absolutely essential for who we are and understanding our life and our witness. But let me say to you, if Jesus is still in a grave, if Jesus did not rise, your faith is futile. That's not some bloke from Australia telling you that. That's the apostle Paul telling you that. If he is not risen, hey, go with Buddhism. If he is not risen, explore something else. In fact, if he has not risen, Gary and I have wasted our lives. She said, but why the resurrection? Why? Why is that so vital to who I am and my journey? Well, I said to her, because the resurrection shows us that there is a message of grace. No matter who I am, my sin is is forgiven. See, what Paul says is, we all have a problem with sin. It's a universal problem. I've just flashed up there the tarot card pack, which I know from Canada and Australia and England is the form of uh, guidance that's used more than any other form today. The tarot card pack is the pack that people go to, like my friend who is exploring spirituality. But sin is a universal dimension, isn't it? Because the tarot card pack tells you that once we were lovers, 
Once we're in an idyllic state in the Garden of Eden before the two trees and then we became under bondage to the devil and the devil took control of our lives and we're in bondage to the devil and now we have horns and now we're not who we were when we were originally created. Oh my gosh, the Karakard Pact declares Genesis 1 to 3. The human fall. It's universal, this understanding of sin. Or read C.S. Lewis, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. Read literature. Where Aslan the Lion has to die for the sin of the boy. Or read Scott Peck, the greatest help, self-help writer of all time, in Further Along the Road Less Travelled, said, the reason I've left Buddhism and now embrace Christianity is I've come to the conclusion that anyone that doesn't take their own sin and society's sin as a reality is not in touch with reality. And where have I found an answer to sin? He said, I've only found one understanding that says not only is sin a reality, but there's a solution to it I found in the person of Jesus. And that's why I've become a Christian. Why does the resurrection make a difference? Because Paul says, if Jesus is still in a grave, you're still in your sin. It hasn't worked. But if he has been raised, then you know God has said yes. He has covered all my sins and mistakes. And by that statement, he is saying there is no sin too big for me to cover. I did radio for many years in Sydney on Sunday nights. And a woman rang me up and said, Ross, is there a sin too big for God to forgive? This is a secular radio station. What do you say? I said, do you want to tell me your story? I mean, this is live. Or do you want to talk to me off the air? She said, no, I want to tell you my story. I said, two weeks ago, my son and I had an almighty fight. He lives down the road from me. His father left him some years ago for another woman. After the fight, I went to his flat the next day to see how he was travelling, and Ross had taken his own life. He was a follower of Jesus, so am I. Ross, is there a sin too big for God to take? No. He's risen. No. Whatever mistake, whatever bad choices we have made in life or will make, the resurrection says, nothing, nothing is too big for my God. Is that empowering? This 26 medical, 26-year-old medical technician thought it was. But that only means that only not that not only means I know forgiveness, I'm a person who practices forgiveness in my life. But the resurrection is not only a message of forgiveness. It's a message that God cares for the whole of me. Have you ever asked yourself why in verse 20 we are told that Jesus is raised as the first fruits of the harvest? Many of you would know what harvests are like and you know that the first fruits show you what the rest of the harvest is going to be. So when you get the first fruits in, you know what the quality of the rest of the harvest is going to be. Okay, understand that. So if Jesus has been raised as the first fruits, that shows what it's going to be like for the rest of us. If he is raised as a whole person, 
He is raised as someone who ate fish, who talked, who spoke, who came back and shared with his disciples. That means that my life after death is as a whole person. As it was for him, so it'll be for me. He was raised as a whole person, so I'll be a whole person. I'm not trying to be over-literal here, but there's a relationship between who I am now and who I'll be in eternity. The resurrection says... A part of Ross Clifford doesn't live after death. Some spirit part of Ross Clifford doesn't live after death. All of Ross Clifford after death goes to be with God. My mind, my soul, my spirit. Are you with me? Resurrection, unlike reincarnation, says all of me counts. Not some spirit part of me to go into other bodies. All of me counts and all of me is going to be raised up to be with God forever. Well, if that is so, if God sees me as someone who's so significant, he's going to raise up all of me to be with him in eternity, how does he see me now? He sees all of me as significant to him now. Resurrection theology gives a basis to human dignity and human worth and to creation of hospitals and education and healing. Whatever situation I am in, I know God is concerned for the whole of me because the whole of me is what he takes with him into eternity. And that means that I minister to whole people. I'm not about saving souls. I'm about ministering to people. John Updike the great American author who died recently, uh, was a Lutheran. And when he was asked, why do all his characters in his novels resonate with the American reading audience? He said, oh, that's easy. All my characters have two traits in common. They are radically imperfect. Yes, we know that. Thank you, Jesus, for dying and rising for my sin. But they are radically valuable. Radically valuable. I am so valuable to God the whole of me, that he sent his son into the world for me. When I know that, whatever my grades are at Tyndale, whatever happens to me in life cannot touch me. The most significant person in the universe cares for the whole of me. But not only that, to know that Jesus is risen is a message of hope, is it not? Not just hope for now. There is hope for now that uh, Paul says in verse 19, we have hope now... But if that's all we have and not hope for the future, we are to be pitied, pitied more than all people. The resurrection declares there is hope now. It declares that whatever situation I am in, there is a risen Lord who goes before me. That's exciting. Whatever situation or wherever God calls me, there's a risen Christ who goes with me. But it's not only hope for now, it is hope for the future. And that says that whatever happens to me, even death, I will only know resurrection. I have hope. I have eternal hope, both for now and for the future. And that hope shows me that when Jesus comes back, he's going to restore all things. And that's that vision that drives me to care for my environment and my world, knowing that he cares for every aspect of creation. But I have hope. Hope now, hope for the future. This man is called the preacher. He was in Rwanda. George Gittos was an Australian United Nations uh, photographer. He's one of the best. He's in Rwanda. The war is coming to an end. It's massacre. One village is going into another village to wipe it out. 
George Giddows is there taking photos for the United Nations and he's with the medical team. The medical team realised this other group of people are coming in to wipe out the 3,000 residents of this village. They realise there's nothing they can do. They're getting in their buses and trucks to leave the place knowing the best they can do is get out and come back and try to help people when it's over. George Gitto says that as they're getting ready to go and he's leaving, this man stands up, opens his Bible, draws a crowd and starts preaching that in the risen Christ, in Jesus, there is hope. And Gitto says, now I finally know what religion was all about. We, with all our sophistication, could offer them nothing. He offered them hope. He took the picture, came back and painted it. It stands as tall as a screen. He called it The Preacher. It won the Blake Prize for Religious Art. It's extraordinary. No one's ever seen this man again. He brought hope. You think people aren't after hope today? My crude attempt at vampire theology. Twilight, you name it. Acceptance, redemption in this life. Is there anything that will take me from the undead? Is there anything that will release me from the bondage of trying to find my own salvation? The whole vampire theology is a search for meaning and acceptance and hope in this life and a rescue for meaninglessness in the life to come. We live in a world searching for hope. But not only does the resurrection give me hope, the resurrection gives me values to live by. You see, if Jesus is risen, and he is, then what he taught in the Sermon on the Mount about care for the powerless, about being concerned for the poor, about being authentic, making sure that your deeds and words are the same, about not being a judge of people, but being an encourager, a giver to people, about being a servant, laying your lives down for others, is not just some message of some guru or someone we might like to follow, some dead leader that's still in the grave. It is the guidance, the way of life of God, the risen one. It's the way that we can trust and obey. You know, as we meet today, and you're well aware, Tyndale is in tune with this stuff. 25,000 people on this planet will simply die because they don't have safe water. Graduates of Tyndale, don't waste your money chasing dollars. Give your life to making a difference. Give your life to the way of the risen one, the way of value. But not only that, if Jesus is risen, we can have confidence that he is the truth. He is the way. And that's what we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 to 5. How do we know that this one who died, buried, is the answer to our sin? Because he rose again. And then Paul says, and this is not accidental, this was predicted in your scriptures. And there are witnesses. That's what they do all through Acts. Hey, there were witnesses to this stuff. And hey, it's fulfilling our scriptures that he is the one who's come to be the Messiah, the fulfiller of all things, to be the King of Kings. 
This is not accidental. This is the fulfilment of God. We can have confidence in it. Let me ask you a quick, quick test. Who am I? My birth is predicted. I have to escape after my birth. I get together an interesting but rather strange group of disciples. I die fighting the ultimate evil and the great serpent. And I rise again to take my people into the promised land. Who am I? You're Harry Potter. J.K. Rawlings knew what the last page of Harry Potter would be before she first wrote it. She immersed herself in Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. In fact, the chapter followings of her text follow C.S. Lewis. She put Lord of the Rings and the Narnia tale, Aslan the Lion, in a new model. It's the second best-selling book now outside of the Bible. Guess what? It's telling the same hope, the same dream that someone came and rescued and took us into a new land through his own death that the scriptures tell and the people know it and they long for it as they longed for it through Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. They long for it through Harry Potter. But what if Harry Potter's not a myth? What if the imperfect Harry Potter actually walked amongst us? What if he actually was the one who gave us the Sermon on the Mount? What if I could actually go from Harry Potter to one who's even greater and wiser and truthful and without sin? And we settle for Harry Potter? But Harry Potter tells us that's our journey. That's our search. Outside the uh, Manila is a rubbish chip. And on the rubbish chip, thousands of people eck out an existence. They live with their children, do whatever schooling they can, try to sell food and whatever off this rubbish chip in Manila. I'm talking to a new spirituality author and he tells me, Ross, I finally understand Christianity. I'm starting to explore it. I said, tell me why. He said, I'm at this rubbish chip at Manila. I'm climbing up the rubbish chip. I'm seeing people ecking out in existence. I'm seeing all the dysentery. I'm seeing all the illness. I'm seeing all the pathos of all of this. And so when I got towards the top of the rubbish tip, there was a chapel. And he said, when I walked into the chapel, I expected to see a cross and a crucifix. But no, when I walked into the chapel, I saw Jesus there with arms wide open saying, welcome, welcome. You serve the risen Christ. Sin no longer has a hold. It declares all of you, the whole of you counts to him. There's hope now and for the future. It's transforming. There's values that make a difference. You can have confidence. You are people of the first day of the week. You are people of the transforming resurrection culture. Don't settle for maintaining the status quo, business as usual. You follow, we follow the risen Jesus. And don't settle for that in your own life. Can I pray? Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you for his call upon our lives. 
our churches, our communities and upon Tyndale. We thank you that he is risen. We thank you he died that cruel death. But we thank you that wasn't the end of the story. He died to rise again, to defeat sin, to bring us hope, to transform us, to reside within us, to make us a new people, a transformed community, the first day of the week. I pray that the Tyndale ministry and its graduates will leave this place in the power and the strength and the servanthood of the risen Christ. Together, we are your people. Amen.